All right, well, if you would, go ahead and take your Bibles out, and let's turn to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark, chapter number 4. And this morning we'll be continuing on our study. We've been working our way through the Gospel of Mark, and uh, we've made it to chapter 4. So again, still got a long ways to go, and looking forward to, uh, again, every time we get to spend here. I've enjoyed our time here in the Gospel. And again, I have been challenged, and I have learned a lot, and hopefully you have as well. Uh, Here in Mark 4, let's read, uh, beginning in verse number 21. Verse number 21, again, I'll read, I'll let you just follow along silently as I read. But Mark 4, beginning in verse number 21, the Bible says, And he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick? For, for there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear, with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath, to him shall be given. And he that hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep, and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth immediately, he putteth it in the sickle, because the harvest is come. And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them, And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord and God. We just want to give you praise and thanks, God, just for another day of life. And God, just for another Lord's Day to be able to gather together and to be able to open up the precious word that we have. And Lord, to be able to, Lord, just come before it with hearts that are teachable and humble and receptive to the truth. And God, I pray you would just be with me as I teach and as I preach this morning. God, I pray that you would help me, Lord, just to say what you'd have me to say, Lord, nothing more and nothing less. God, I pray, Lord, for those who are hearing, those who are listening uh, to the message this morning, that you'd give them attentive ears. Uh, Lord, that they would be like the good soil that we talked about last week, uh, that hear the word, that receive the word, and that bring forth fruit within their life. God, I pray you do a mighty work, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we pray that Jesus would be glorified in all we do and all we say. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so over the past couple of weeks, we have been working our way through the Gospel of Mark. And we have seen that there is this growing opposition to the ministry of Jesus. Sure, the crowds are still flocking to Jesus. The multitudes are still following after him. But there is this, there is this hostile climate in which Christ has begun to minister, mainly tied back to the Pharisees and the scribes, again, who saw Jesus as a threat 
to their man-made religious traditions. All right, so again, they opposed him. Uh, again, they, they hardened their hearts against him. They would not hear him. They would not listen to him. And they didn't recognize him as the Son of God, for which he, uh, for which he clearly claimed and clearly uh, showed himself to be. And we see that eventually it got to the point, again, where they attributed the works of Jesus to the power of Satan. That's where Jesus warned against the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So as we saw last week, because of this climate of, of opposition, Jesus, Jesus began to convey his teaching through the use of parables. Now, what's a parable? Uh, and we talked about the fact that it's the laying down of two truths beside each other, a natural truth and a spiritual truth. And there were two main reasons why Jesus began teaching in parables just all of a sudden. You know, up to this point, again, we don't see parables, um, at least here in the Gospel of Mark. But here in Mark chapter 4, it's, it's pretty much all parables. Mark chapter 4 is the parable chapter of the, of the Gospel of Mark. And there's a reason why Jesus is now using parables, and we talked about it last week. The first reason was to reveal truth. To reveal truth to those who had ears to hear to those who are willing to listen, to those who are willing to respond like his disciples. But on the other hand, we also see parables were also taught as a means to conceal truth. So it wasn't just to reveal truth to those who listened and heard and received, but it was also to conceal truth from those who had seen the light, who had heard his teaching, but who willfully rejected the teaching of Jesus Christ. It is really a form of judgment against them, for rejecting the light that they had been given. Jesus concealed the truth from the Pharisees, from the scribes, from those who had rejected the light of truth. Uh, somebody compared Jesus' parables as a doorway, and I think this is a helpful illustration. I'll, I'll read this to you, and I quote. It says, Jesus' listeners stood at the doorway and heard him. If they were not interested, they stayed on the outside. But if they were interested, they could walk through the doorway and think about the truth behind the parable and what it meant to their lives. And that's really a good description of parables. They were like a doorway. Uh, many people heard Christ. They listened to his words or they saw his miracles, uh, but they responded in different ways. Some of them decided to stay on the outside of the door. Others decided to go within the door and learn more about Jesus and learn more about his teachings. And here in Mark 4, uh, we find... A continuation of these parables in which we pick up from uh, where we left off last week. Uh, and Jesus here begins to really focus the parables upon those who are the good soil hearers, like we talked about last week in the parable of the sower. There's four types of hearers. Okay, Three of them ultimately reject the word, but only one of them receive the word and bring forth fruit. And that is the good soil here, as we talked about in Mark 4, verse 20. Which says, and these are they which are sown on good ground, which, uh, which such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty and some an hundred. So for those who are willing to hear the truth, for those who are willing to receive the truth and for those who evidence that reality by bringing forth fruit within their life, Jesus is going to give them more truth. He is going to shed more light upon them. Why? Because they have ears to hear. Not just the words, not just with their physical ears, but really with their hearts. 
They allowed the truth to sink down deep into their hearts to the point where they received it and it brought forth fruit within their life. And Jesus is going to direct uh, some of these next parables to these fruitful hearers, these fruitful hearers. Uh, And again, as we'll see, there's really two main lessons. That's why I'm going to break this up into two sermons. Uh, There's a lesson on light and there's a lesson on seed. And we'll talk about the lesson on seed next week. Uh, But this morning, we'll primarily deal with verse number 21 uh, down to verse number 26. So this is a two-part sermon. So if you don't come back next week, you're only getting a half sermon. All right, so you have to come back next week and hear the remainder of the sermon. Uh, But we begin with the first lesson that Jesus has for listeners, and that is a lesson on light, a lesson on light. And we find that here in verses 21 down to verse number 25, And the first aspect of this truth has to do with light being displayed. Light being displayed. Take a look at verse number 21. Jesus, again, consider the fact here. Jesus is speaking to hearers. He is speaking to fruitful hearers. He is speaking to his disciples here. And it says here in verse 21, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus uses a natural illustration, that of a candlestick, uh, something that those in Bible times would have been very familiar with. Again, they would have used a candlestick, placed it in a prominent location within their house in order to shine a light and illuminate the house. Again, candles were the common way that you would light up your house in a Bible time. So again, they would understand this illustration. They would understand this picture in, uh, again, those that he was talking to. So Jesus asks a question about the purpose of a candle. And he begins with asking, again, why do you bring a candle? Okay, Why do you bring a candle into your house? Why do you go to the store or the marketplace, get a candle, bring it to your house? Is it to put it under a bushel? To put it under a basket, clearly the answer is no. That defeats the purpose of buying a candle. All right, That defeats the entire purpose of it. Uh, do you buy it to put it under your bed? The clear answer is no. All right, That would also defeat the purpose for which you have the candle. So Jesus is directing their thoughts to this, to this truth that he's trying to get across. The purpose of a candle upon a candlestick placed in a prominent location within the house is to shine the light throughout the house. Now, Jesus has already made it clear in the Sermon on the Mount, again, which is not included here in the Gospel of Mark, but is included in the Gospel of Matthew. And I've actually preached a series through the Sermon on the Mount uh, last year or the year before. And again, I have those recordings if you want to listen to that. Uh, But Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He he has already made it clear on the Sermon on the Mount that his disciples are the light of the world. Okay, Jesus is the true light, but his followers, his disciples, those who hear, receive, and bring forth fruit, true disciples, again, are those who have been called to reflect the light of the Son of God. Those who have been left in this world... To reflect the light of Jesus Christ into a spiritually dark world. Consider what Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 14 through 16. He said in the Sermon on the Mount, Ye are the light of the world. 
A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So even in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus made it clear you don't buy a candle to put it under a bushel. You don't buy a candle to put it under a bed. No, you buy a candle for the purpose of shining light throughout a darkened room or to, to do away with the, to dispel the darkness within a house. And Jesus makes it clear who, who he is speaking about. The light is a picture. The light is symbolic of believers in Jesus Christ. The light is symbolic of disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why has he left us here? He has left us here to reflect his light into a spiritually dark world. He has left us here not to conceal our light, not to hide away our light, but to shine it forth. What the world needs is the light of truth, is the light of the gospel. We live in a time of, 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 of moral depravity. We live in a time of, of spiritual darkness. We live in a time of confusion. Again, in, as, as believers, we know where the truth lies. The truth is in the word of God. The light is the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are called not to hide away our light, but to be bold in our witness. To go forth, not waiting till they come to us, but going to them and shining the light into the world. So how do we do this? How do we shine forth this light? A couple of ways. First of all, we shine forth the light through the proclamation of truth, through the proclamation of truth. What is this truth? This is the truth of the message. This is the truth primarily of the gospel. This is the truth of God's holy word. Jesus tells his disciples, remember why you're here. Remember your purpose. Again, you're not just here to fritter away time doing whatever you want to do. No, I have left you here for a purpose. Ye are the light of the world. And in a sense, what he's saying is you and you alone are the light of the world. Nobody else. You are the light of the world. Jesus is back in heaven. He has left his disciples here, the church here. Why? To shine the light. To shine his light into the world. And that is our responsibility as a church. That is our responsibility, again, as individual believers in Christ. Again, and we live in a day and age when believers, again, need to be courageous. When believers need to go out into the world and not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not be ashamed of the truth. And we see in our own nation here in America, we see the spiritual and moral decline uh, within our nation and how quickly it's happening. Again, our nation is becoming, has, has uh, been spiritually dark for a long time, but it's continuing uh, again, down this pathway of spiritual darkness and depravity. Uh, again, we see the floodgates of, of perversion and sin have been opened wide within, uh, within our nation. Again, what is our response to that? Again, is it to go move to the middle of nowhere and to get away from society? No, again, Christ hasn't called us to that. No, he has left us here. If he wanted us to be with him, he would take us home. But he has left us here for a purpose. He has kept us in the world, yet we're not supposed to be of the world Again, we are, we, we are not isolated from the world, yet we are distinct from the world. And we are called to shine the light of truth, the light of the gospel, this message of truth. You see, our culture is very aggressive and very intentional 
in their advancement of, of godless ideologies through media and through, uh, through schools and through politics and, and through many, many other means. Yet as Christians, we ought to be just as, as aggressive uh, and just as passionate, just as intentional, not using the ways of the world, not using the methods of the world, not crude and rude and abrasive, but we ought to be intentional and passionate about, again, promoting the truth. We live in a day and age when what people need the most is truth, the truth of the gospel, the light of truth. Again, we should not see what's happening around us in culture and hide away our lights. It's not time for Christians to hide their lights. It's time for Christians to shine their lights and to speak the truth in love. We live in a day and age when when believers need courage, when believers need to be courageous. Not hiding away, not with our heads in the sand, just ignoring everything. No, but intentional and passionate about getting the gospel out. About proclaiming the only truth that can save. And that is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at Daniel. I'm not going to delve into this or look into this in depth, but consider Daniel. You know, where he lived, the pagan culture in which he lived. You know, we're really in the same position. The hearts of men are still the same. You know, we're, we're, we're in a pagan society, and we're called to shine forth the light of truth. It's God's light. It is the truth of Scripture. Again, someone has said that there are really three responses that churches in America are having uh, to the surrounding godless culture. And I wanted to share this with you. And this is a quote. And it says this. Speaking of churches, and how churches are responding to what's happening within our culture. Number one, some churches will be complicit, participating in the culture without standing against it. And you see that all around. You see churches that just, I mean, they're, they're driven by the winds of culture. You know, if, if the culture is going downstream, they're going downstream with it. You know, they, they don't determine what, where they're going to stand based upon this. They determine where they're going to stand based upon what the people want or based upon where culture is or based upon what's going to tickle the ears of people. Some will be complicit. Some will go down the road of apostasy. All right, what's another response? Number two, then there are those that will be complacent, disagreeing with the culture, but not actively opposing it. Now, this is a little more subtle, right? Because there's many believers who are saying, yes, again, I don't, I don't like where culture is going. I disagree with what's happening in the world around me. But I'm just going to keep my opinions to myself, and I'm not going to shine my light. I don't, I, I don't want to rock the boat. Any, you know, I, I just, I'm just going to hide away over here in a corner and just hide, hide my light under the bed over here. And sadly, that's where many churches are. Again, they are complacent, disagreeing with the culture, but not actively opposing it. Then there are those that will be courageous, saying what needs to be said and doing what needs to be done, and accepting the consequences without self-pity or anger. Again, and that is where we must be as a church. We want to be a courageous church. And not mean, not angry, but speaking the truth in love, standing upon the authority of the word of God, again, not wavering in our faith, again, not going along with where the, where the stream of, of, of culture is going, again, not disagreeing, but just remaining silent, but speaking forth the truth. Speaking forth the truth and sharing the gospel, again, and accepting what consequences, what whatever comes as a result of it, God's in control, 
You know, that's something you shouldn't worry about. We're just called to stand. We're called to be faithful. We're called to be lights within a dark world in which we live. Let's continue on, though. Number two. Secondly, how do we display this light? We shine forth the light through the practice of truth, or that is the testimony of the messenger. Jesus made it clear to his disciples that our message needs to be consistent Again, with our, or I should say, again, our testimonies ought to be consistent with the message we are preaching. You're not just preaching with your words. You're also preaching through your life. You're preaching through your actions. You're preaching through what you do, what you don't do, what you say, where you go. Jesus said in Matthew 5.16, Let your light so shine before men that they may, what's it say, see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. As people look at your life, again, do they observe, do they see your good works and glorify your Father? Philippians 2.15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Blameless, harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a perverse nation. Shining as lights in the world. It matters not just what we believe, although that does matter, but also how we live. Not just the purity of the message, but also the purity of a godly testimony. But also the testimony of those through whom, again, we we preach the message, we share the message, we proclaim the message to the world. We need to be careful. And that as Christians, again, we, we don't just have our heads full packed, packed full of good doctrine and right doctrine. That's important, but that we also live it out. On Sunday nights, we're preaching the book of James. And James will give you a reality check. Again, if that's, if that's how your life is. If it's all up here, but it's not lived out in your life, Sunday nights, book of James. Again, practical, authentic faith lived out. Again, our belief, our behavior must match. Can recognize who you are, who you're representing. Again, you are an ambassador. Again, as a believer, you are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You're not on your own mission. You can't just do your own thing anymore. You've been bought with a price. The price is the precious blood of Jesus. Again, He's your Lord. He's your master. He's your God. And now you follow after Him. Never forget who you are representing. Never forget that on the street you live, you may be the only light that is shining on that street. Recognize that within that workplace, you may be the only light that is shining. And my encouragement to you is shine brightly. Don't cave in. All right? Don't become complicit. Don't become complacent. Don't become contaminated uh, again with, with, with the culture around you. No, live. We're not again. Like I said, we're not isolated from culture, but we are distinct from culture in the way that we live. Again, we must be above reproach. We must be above reproach. The world is always looking for dirt on Christians. All right. Again, none of us will live a perfect life, but we ought to live a life that is above reproach. You know, we ought to live a life of faith and of humility, a life of of courage, you know, a life of a life of holiness, a life that is pleasing to our Lord and Savior and representing his name is at stake, representing him well because his name is at stake. 
And somebody has wisely stated this. The, the church is the last barrier between present moral breakdown and total chaos. The church is the last barrier between the present moral breakdown and total chaos. All right. Again, we are here. We are salt. We are light. Again, one day the church will be gone. You know, we'll, we'll, Christ will call his bride home to be with him. But as of now, again, presently we are here and we're the last barrier. All right. So again, don't cave in. Again, we, we see a culture that is becoming increasingly hostile uh, towards biblical Christianity. Don't respond the way that they respond to, to Christianity. Again, don't adopt their attitude. Don't adopt their mentality. Again, don't adopt just the, the, the rudeness and the abrasiveness of it. But we must impact the culture with truth and with a godly testimony. Again, with a godly testimony and with the truth of the gospel without being contaminated by the culture around us. Let's continue on. Verse number 22 down to verse 23. We also read here, it says, For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. What is the nature of light? The nature of light is to be revealed. All right? You put a candle on a candlestick in order to reveal truth, in order to shed abroad the truth, to spread abroad the truth. And Jesus says here, if any man has ears to hear, let him hear. Again, you may talk to somebody, and again, they, they show interest in the gospel. Don't just, don't just pass on by. Take the time. If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. God is clearly working in his heart. All right? Give him the truth. Let's continue on, though, to verse 24 and 25. And we see Christ talks about not only light being on display, but also the reception of light within our lives. Verse 24 and 25. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath to him shall be given. And he that hath not from him shall be taken away, or from him shall be taken even that which he hath. Now this is important for us to recognize this morning. Jesus here gives a lesson on the seriousness. The seriousness of hearing the truth. Not just with your ears, but with your heart. Responding to the truth. Allowing God's word to sink down deep in your mind, deep into your heart, and allowing it to change you from the inside out. Jesus says to his disciples here, take heed what ye hear. Be diligent. Be diligent in your hearing. Take heed to what you hear. Don't just hear with your ears. Hear with your heart. Recognize that there is a level of accountability that comes with hearing the truth. Recognize that before God, you are accountable for the truth that you have heard. So make sure that you are rightly hearing the truth of God's word. Jesus went on to say this. He said, with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Let me, let me, again, in other words, let me, let me put it this way. The measure of your hearing determines the spiritual profit that you derive from the truth. God rewards the diligent hearer. God rewards the fruitful hearer, the one who receives his word. 
the one who obeys his word. God rewards them with more truth. God rewards them with more light. The level of diligence in your hearing the word will determine the level of spiritual profit you derive from the word. And people may say this, well, I just I never get anything out of the preaching of the word. And my response to that would be to ask you a question. All right. Again, how diligent are you in your hearing of the word? How diligent are you in your hearing of the word? Again, if you if you come and you listen to the word from a proud, uh, critical, you know, know-it-all attitude, then don't be surprised when you don't get anything out of the word. And don't be surprised when God doesn't doesn't convict your heart, when God doesn't move in your life, when God again when God doesn't doesn't convict you anymore. Again, do you come before the word with an apathetic attitude, with a careless attitude, and just shrug it off as as if it doesn't matter? Again, then don't be surprised when you don't get anything out of the word. Yet remember, you're still accountable for the word. You're still accountable for what you've heard. Or do you come before the word with a heart that is humble? Do you come before the word with a heart that is teachable? Do you come before the word with a heart that is hungry for the truth? That is the kind of hearer that God will reward. That is the kind of hearer that God will bless. That is the kind of hearer that God will pour more truth and more, again, allow you to, to spiritually profit even more from his word. God rewards the diligent hearer, the one who receives the word, the one who uh, allows the word of God to teach them and to guide them, the one who allows the word of God to sink into their life and to change them from the inside out. But on the other hand, the one who rejects the truth, the one who rejects the light, even that which he hath shall be taken away. What happens when light is rejected? What happens when truth is rejected? It brings spiritual darkness. It brings confusion, spiritual confusion. It brings spiritual darkness into a person's life. And you see how the Pharisees and the scribes, again, how they rejected the light. The very Son of God stood in front of them and taught them, and yet they rejected the light that they had been given. And you notice that the more they did it, what happened to their heart? Their heart became more calloused every time. Their heart became more hardened every time they rejected the truth, and their judgment became more severe. The more that they rejected the word again and again and again. So here's the question I want to ask. Are you being hindered in your spiritual growth because of your attitude towards the truth? Coming before the truth with a proud heart. Coming before the truth with a resistant heart. Coming before the truth with an apathetic heart. Again, you will not spiritually profit from the word of God. We must come before the word of God with a hungry heart. You must come before the word of God and say, God, feed me your truth. God, I am hungry for the truth of your word. God, show me areas of my life, even if it hurts. God, show me areas of my life where I need to change. God, I want to honor you. God, I want to serve you. God, I want to be a fruitful and faithful hearer of the word. So a couple of things. Take heed what you hear. Be diligent. Be careful. The reception of light brings more light and the rejection of light brings spiritual darkness so here's what i want to do at this time i want to uh, really really draw out from today's passage two main challenges i mean this is this is my conclusion uh but again stay with me because again this is this is very important 
two main challenges to to believers. I haven't really I haven't preached a gospel message today. This is mainly directed towards those who know Christ, who have been born again, and who have received the gospel. Um, and, and two big questions I want to ask you. Number one, are you shining forth the light of truth? Are you shining forth the light the light of truth? Two ways we do that. Remember, the proclamation of truth and the practice of truth. Your message and the testimony of the messenger. The way you live, but also the message that you proclaim. Let me challenge believers to remember the purpose for why you're here. You are here to be a witness. You are here to be a light. It's not an accident when God brings people across your path. All right. When God brings unbelievers across your path, it's not an accident. All right. They need light. And maybe God has placed you in the life to be that light, to point them to the light, to point them to the truth. Okay, let me challenge you to be faithful. As a church, again, we have a, uh, a full summer of outreach ahead of us, July and August. And let me challenge our church family. You know, let me challenge you to be faithful. You know, and again, you may not be able to do the the uh, the canvassing with the door to door or the uh, the booth, but there's other ways to help. And I know there's many who who do things behind the scenes, and uh, there's there's always a way to help. So again, find some way to be uh, be involved with that, uh, and again, be involved with outreach, but also on a personal level as well. Uh, again. You got to hone those skills of sharing the gospel. You got to get out of your comfort zone. That's one of the most dangerous places for a Christian is their comfort zone. Uh, so much of the Christian life, the, again, where you're actually going to grow is when you step out of your comfort zone, trusting God and realizing I may not like this, I may not be comfortable with this, but again, God's told me to go and give that person a gospel tract or go and share the gospel with that person. And stepping out of your comfort zone, you'll be surprised again what God can do. Uh, through a vessel of clay like you. So, And then number two, are you practicing the truth? Are you practicing the truth before others? Not in a showy way. All right, That's what the Pharisees did. They only did that when others saw them and could praise them. Uh, but out of the sincerity of your heart. And on a day-to-day basis, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. Are you being intentional about showing or about living out the truth? As, as other people look at your life... What do they see? Do they see somebody who is consumed with self or consumed with the world? Or do they see somebody who is consumed with God and the things of God? When somebody looks in your life, what do they see? Are you passionate about the the things of the world? Are you passionate about the things of God? When somebody looks at your life, what do they see? Somebody who is building their own little earthly kingdom that is going to pass away? Or do they see somebody who is seeking first the kingdom of God? As, as people look at your life, what do they see? Do they see somebody who is serving Jesus out of convenience or out of conviction? Doing what is right because it's right. Regardless of how you feel, yeah, doing what is right because it is right. Do people see Jesus in your life? Do people see Jesus in your home? Husbands and wives, do, do people see Jesus in your marriage, in your parenting? Fathers, you know, it's Father's Day. Fathers, do people see the testimony of Jesus in in you, in the way you lead your family, in the way you in the way you dwell with your wife according to knowledge, in the way that you bring up your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord? Young people, you know, children, you know, what do they see? Do they see young people who are who are striving to honor their parents, striving to obey, you know, their 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 parents? The number two is, are you receptive of the light 
as it goes forth? Are you receptive of the light as it goes forth? Jesus rewards those who hear his light, who receive the light of truth. Whereas Jesus makes it clear that the consequence of light rejected is greater spiritual darkness. And I want to leave you with this challenge right here. All right, within the context of this right here, okay, within the context of preaching, within the context of, of coming to church and setting under the preaching of the word of God, let me challenge you to take heed what you hear. Just like Jesus said, take heed what ye hear. Be diligent in your hearing of the word of God. Don't be a superficial hearer, a wayside hearer. Like the wayside path, remember last week, who shrugs off the truth. Again, their heart is so hardened against God that the, 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 the seed just is, 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 is taken away. And it doesn't take root into their heart. Don't be a superficial here. Don't be an easily impressed but resistant here. What is that? That's the stony ground here. Okay, somebody who says, yes, I like the, I like the truths that are pleasing to me, but don't tell me the hard stuff. I don't don't call me to to radical discipleship. Don't call me to, to to deny self, take up my cross, and follow Jesus. Just give me the light stuff. I just want Christianity light. Oh, again, that don't don't be a resistant hearer who who tries to hold onto the world and and obey the word at the same time. It doesn't work. Don't be a distracted hearer, a thorny ground hearer who hears the word but who allows their mind to wander. Again, this is, this is the discipline. It, 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 it takes work, but allows their mind to wander. And again, their, their mind is, is 100 miles away when, as the word of God goes forth. So what kind of hearer should we be? We should be a fruitful hearer. We should be a good soil hearer, a good ground hearer, as we talked about last week, who hears the word, who receives the word, and who allows the word of God to change their life. I want to close with a quote I came across this past week that I think will be helpful to you. Um, and, and I'll go ahead and say it. It says this. It says, remember, as you enter the house of God, that you are entering a battlefield or a battleground. Many enemies will oppose your listening. Internally, you may be distracted by worldly cares and employments, lust of the flesh, cold hearts, critical spirits. Externally, you may be distracted by the temperature or the weather behavior or dress of others, noises or people moving about. Satan opposes your listening to God's word with might and main, knowing that if you truly hear it, he will lose you. Did you hear that? And why does Satan oppose your hearing? Because he knows if you hear it, he will lose you. So Satan tries to disturb you before the sermon begins, during the sermon, and dismisses the sermon from your mind as soon as it finishes. Like, a, blur, like a, a bird plucking away newly sown seeds, Satan attempts to snatch the word from your mind and heart so that it cannot take root. Pray repeatedly for strength to overcome all your enemies by listening well. All right, so two big truths before us. The lesson on light. The light displayed through the message and also the testimony of the messenger. But also the light received. Be careful how you hear can ask God to help you to be a diligent hearer of the word. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. And Father, we just want to praise you and thank you again for allowing us to have this opportunity just to open up your word. 
Father God, I pray you would use it to challenge hearts, to speak into lives, Father. And God, I pray that the Spirit of God would just have free course within our lives. And God, that we would be responsive to how the Spirit of God is working within us. God, I pray you would protect us and help us, Lord, not to be a superficial hearer, Lord, not to be a shallow hearer, Lord, not to be a distracted hearer of your word, but to be a fruitful hearer. Lord, one who hears, one who receives, and one who's one who brings forth fruit. And God, it's a discipline, I know. And God, but your grace is able to help us, Lord. And Father God, I pray, Lord, that you would just bless and, Lord, just guide, Lord, this church as, Lord, and individual believers, Lord, just as we go out into the world, help us, God, to be unashamed of the gospel, or not to be rude, Lord, but to be, but to speak the truth in love, Lord, to love people enough that we are willing to step out of our comfort zone and, and hand them a gospel tract, or to, or to share, share Jesus with them. God, and I pray that our lives would match the message we are preaching. God, I pray, Lord, that we would strive to live a life that is above reproach, remembering, God, that the testimony of Jesus in this community, Lord, comes back upon us. And, God, I pray that we'd be faithful, Lord, in our business dealings. I pray, God, that we'd be faithful in our home life. God, I pray that we'd be faithful in our workplaces. I pray, God, we'd be faithful, Lord, wherever and whenever, uh, Lord, just so that you may receive all glory and honor. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.